Okay, so I think we'll start now. Thank you, Sam. Hi, everybody. I've just uh, got the great pleasure of introducing the next two speakers. But first of all, I'd like to uh, express the solidarity with Adam Goods. This is Sydney Swan's hat, so put it on. Um, the next speaker is uh, Clayton Lewis, from, um, who, by the way, is uh, from Yamaji people, not, not Noongar. And Clayton will, of course, explain his, his situation himself. Thanks, Clayton. Uh, good morning, everybody. Firstly, I'd like to acknowledge uh, traditional owners here in Sydney. And uh, it's uh, good fun being back in Sydney. I used to come here many years ago, and uh, I see a couple of familiar faces around from, uh, from the media days, but certainly Gadigal people looked after me, and uh, good to be here. Well, the first two speakers stole a little bit of my thunder, and I think listening after, uh, after the last chat, uh, Adrian, very strong, and very knowledgeable and, and uh, not only in, uh, grounded in culture as well, and I think that's a fantastic thing. So I think there's some, certainly some good lessons and uh, synergies there that we can learn from. I'm going to be looking at my phone. I've just uh, put some dot points on my phone, so I'm going to be working that way. I hope you don't mind. Um, I wasn't really quite sure how I would complement today. If I could just talk about what we are, we're the Aboriginal Heritage Action Alliance, have done some work with Anne, Anne's mentioned uh, who we are. Oh, actually, I should mention where I'm from first, shouldn't I? Uh, look, I'm born in Perth, um, all my mobs from around the Midwest of WA, my father's country is Witty country, southeast of Geraldton, about three and a half hours drive north of Perth, uh, Irwin River catchment, uh, Dongra out to the east. And my mother, uh, born in a small town called Northampton, and she belonged to the, uh, or belongs to the Nunda people, uh, which is uh, Calbarry to Shark Bay on the midwest coast of Western Australia, Lower Murchison River. Uh, I've also got connections through the Murchison Gascoigne and uh, got a cultural connection with uh, Waluna um, out to the east uh, on the edge of the Western Desert. Um, a little bit about myself, I suppose uh, I've had a, a career in the media, hence I'm the spokesperson. Uh, I only head up a, uh, a small team of people who are concerned about changes to the Aboriginal Heritage Act in WA. Um, we, uh, we more or less operate uh, on the phone and the email, and our main goals are to Firstly, create awareness about what the government's doing in WA, uh, which is uh, pushing through changes to the Aboriginal Heritage Act, which protects uh, registered sites in Western Australia. Um, that's our main aim, is to create awareness. Uh, secondly, we would like to see the Act changed accordingly and ensure that um, there's uh, significant Aboriginal involvement uh, in those changes. The Act is 40 years old and we do realise that uh, some of it is uh, a bit antiquated and we think in these days and times it certainly needs a bit of, a, a bit of an overhaul. Not only do we want to see uh, those two things happen, we'd like to see a, what we call a uh, parliamentary select committee in Western Australia 
to oversee all of those processes. Just to backtrack a little bit, I, um, I was listening to Anne before talking about uh, she's not an uh, activist, she's an actionist and, and that sort of thing. I've actually fallen into this role a little bit by default. Um, we've only been going since February last year and uh, the Aboriginal Heritage Action Alliance, and I'll use our acronym, which is AHA. We think we, uh, we got onto something and we think it sort of suits. So um, basically what happened late last year, the West Australian Government tried to push through a couple of amendments or some major amendments to the Aboriginal Heritage Act on the last sitting of Parliament for the year and part of that process too was the deregistration of 30 or 20 to, I can't remember the exact number, 20 to 30 odd sites, sites of significance in Western Australia. Just to uh, provide some context, the, in WA we have the Department of Aboriginal Affairs, which is a state government department, and they're vested with the role of registering sites and they can be, dare I say, low-level sites right through to major significant cultural sites. The amendments last year, one of the critical uh, amendments was that a site had to now display what they call, uh, what they inserted as uh, religious activity and uh, we found that a bit odd and uh, it actually happened to one of the sites in my father's country and I was alerted to this in February and hence we, we formed the group to, as I said, create awareness. Um, the Department of Aboriginal Affairs too uh, have a committee called the Aboriginal Heritage Cultural Material, no sorry, Materials ACMC, Aboriginal Cultural Materials Committee. And what they do is Aboriginal people or anthropologists or whoever uh, nominate sites for registration to uh, be protected or uh, to become part of a registry. What we've seen uh, in WA, and Anne touched on this too, is um, the, uh, the makeup of that committee back in the, in the good old days, I suppose, was uh, comprised of people with anthropological and archaeological expertise. In, in recent years, we've seen the makeup of that committee change to people or public servants who have been inserted there and or moved across from state development uh, type agencies in Western Australia. And we've also, and that coupled with these uh, new amendments, um, we think that it's all to appease the mining sector. And uh, I should touch on the fact too that we work a little bit with SOS Black Australia. Um, Michelle Torres, a, a personal friend from many years ago, and, and her group, we see the uh, diminishment of Aboriginal heritage protection in Western Australia coupled with uh, uh, removing people off communities to pave the way for the resource sector to do whatever they want. 
With these notices that we received last year, the 30 or so uh, sites, there was actually a small window uh, for feedback from traditional owners. When I first saw the letter, I had uh, it was just a two-week window. So they played on that a bit, and uh, luckily um, one of the sites in Port Hedland, um, actually Port Hedland Port itself, the Robinson family, traditional owners from there, they um, contested uh, the, um, the ruling, the deregistration, and uh, it was successfully overturned. We're at a place now where we're asking the state to re-register those sites, and uh, um, that's going to play out soon. Um, I'm sort of going a bit all over the place here, so bear with me. Um, if I could just mention our... Our group, we, we have to sort of work a little bit objectively. Uh, we hear passion from people from south to north across WA. Uh, certainly around Perth, we've been asked to go along to uh, actions and demonstrations and we've, we think that we serve the WA uh, Aboriginal community better if we just sit back and create awareness through our websites and uh, our awareness and our, we've got a couple of petitions happening. We've got major supporters in uh, pro bono legal assistance. We've got, uh, and luckily enough, uh, Mr Greg McIntyre. Uh, people may know him as the Marbo lawyer. He resides in Perth, so he, uh, he offers his uh, services to us, which is fantastic. And we've also got uh, the legal counsel of uh, Ian Viner, QC, uh, former Minister for Aboriginal Affairs with the Fraser Government. So we've got some significant uh, legal assistance and we've also secured uh, uh, assistance and directions from uh, major anthropological and archaeological organisations uh, in Western Australia and across the country. So that's been really good. Um, just on our creating awareness, uh, we've had a couple of small actions outside of the Department of Aboriginal Affairs. We've prevented, pre presented statements to them regarding these proposed changes, the lack of consultation, uh, also the makeup of the Aboriginal Cultural Materials Committee. We've had a similar thing in Western Australia, uh, just to digress a little bit, uh, with the Environmental Protection Authority. And uh, I think they had a bit to do up there at James Price Point where you had uh, uh, supposedly uh, an independent body uh, assessing groundbreaking activities, ground disturbing activities. The makeup of the EPA consisted of people who had vested interests in these mining companies. And the same thing, I suppose, uh, has happened with the uh, Aboriginal Cultural Materials Committee out of the Department of Aboriginal Affairs in Perth. So basically uh, the Barnett government, since I think it would have been 2012, uh, implementing or in, uh, appointing uh, hand-picked public servants to work on those two bodies, which has... Uh, uh, basically put the chicken, uh, sorry, the fox in charge of the chicken coop, to speak. Luckily, uh, one of my co-founders, uh, she's a gun, uh, Liz Vaughan, uh, she, uh, quite, I, I, it was just ironic that she was doing a thesis on the Aboriginal Heritage Act and she's just uh, submitted that in recent months 
and she's our go-to person for all the facts and figures and the history. She's been quite dynamic. Um, we've also got Dr Stephen Bennett, an anthropologist. Uh, Stephen has a passion for uh, Aboriginal uh, cultural history and anthropological activities. And we also work with a senior Noongar elder called, uh, by the name of Dr Noel Nanup. So there were four of us originally, and uh, um, I'm the token spokesperson. Uh, sometimes I get a little bit lost in, in some of the, uh, the, 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 the technical aspects of the act and the sections and, and all of that sort of stuff. So basically I try to tell a story and I've represented us at a few uh, actions across WA and certainly working with SOS Black Australia. Just got to refer to my notes here now. Um, the social media, uh, I think in the context of today about how we tackle globalisation, uh, certainly across WA being a big place, it's been hard to get our message out. We've only just identified who those traditional owners are for those 30 sites that were originally deregistered. Uh, we've just had a, a resource constructed by anthropologists at the University of Western Australia called a uh, Site Watch Report. That report has now uncovered that there is something like 3,000 sites which have had various degrees or layers of protection uh, diminished under certain sections of the Act. Um, so that's a big process. We've also worked hand-in-hand -hand with uh, Robin Chappell. Robin is a, uh, a Green Senator in Western Australia and he's been our man to question the WA uh, Minister for Aboriginal Affairs. Um, so that's been really good and we think we're at a place now after getting a lot of this information out to the wider public and also uh, with Robin's help in, in Parliament We've, we feel that we've got the government on the back, back foot a bit. Um, it was the uh, same thought held by me in what Anne mentioned, that these things won't go away. We're at a place now, and I, I you know, in my own moment in time, think about how do we combat these sorts of things. And... It's probably getting to a space now where we'll have to resort to picketing and on the line, in my opinion, and to stand there and fight and do those sorts of things. We have a right-wing Liberal government in WA backed up by the Federal Government and we know their directions and I think we've seen these certain patterns uh, in the past, certainly um, um, people of, of our generation and older have seen these things come around uh, quite regularly. Um, I'll just move down a bit now. Uh, I think one of the things in WA that I've noticed too is, uh, given it's such a big state and uh, you know everything happening out of Perth and sometimes out in the regions, you don't know what's happening out there. Um, I know that there's been a lot of uranium exploration and there's also wider mining happening and on the coast in the you know with the gas and the fracking. And I think the government have taken advantage of that remoteness and uh, where we are and also probably preyed a little bit on the uh, naivety, if I could say it that way, of some of our people in the regions 
who don't uh, um, uh, place, a, I suppose, a bit of a blind faith in the land councils and also uh, uh, the state government. So we've tried to act as an alliance, as a focus point. Uh, we have a, a web page and, uh, and uh, our, our Facebook page. Uh, that photo up there is uh, from the famous Nukunbar uh, action back in the 70s, I think, Anne, or something like that, Nukunbar. So um, we've used that as a, a symbol. Um, oh, just whilst I'm talking to, on the left, I don't know if you can make it out, that's an emu in the sky resting on the Milky Way. We, uh, we've, we've decided to use that uh, emblem we see... The emu is uh, ultimate protector and it's been up there and protecting uh, Aboriginal cultural heritage in Western Australia and across the world for that matter as well. Um, where am I? Last night at dinner I met a few people and uh, it was all sort of fairly new meeting people and one of the things I'm very interested in is identifying synergies with other groups other action groups across the country on how you do things. I'm very impressed with how Adrian and his gang are working, uh, significant social media presence. You've also got SOS Black Australia. Um, we've seen uh, lots of uh, media coverage with the Aboriginal media and we've had the likes of ABC. We've had uh, significant interviews with uh, Radio National. Um, yeah, I, I lose track sometimes of people ringing me up and wanting a few words, but uh, the social media has actually been really good and I think it's a great tool for Aboriginal people and if you've got a significant uh, or a good uh, team of people, you can certainly get your message out. Uh, potential actions. We've sort of reframed from, we don't sort of go there and beat the drum and, and do whatever. We, we see ourselves as the, uh, the quiet cousin, if you like, of uh, SOS Black Australia. I think that's probably more of an emotive action. You know, removing people off traditional homelands of 40,000 years is quite significant. We see there is a direct, uh, a direct synergy, though, with, uh, with SOS. Um, I did touch before on uranium and mining, and, uh, gee, they're the bane of... Uh, you know, all Indigenous people, and it's certainly been said a couple of times today, um, I've had to uh, be a bit objective, I suppose, from my own point of view when it comes to talking about my specific cultural concerns and working with people, whether it be in the South, the North, the East, the West. Uh, as I said before, we've got to try and take a, uh, an objective stance and look at ways to create awareness and to unite people and to also include and enlighten uh, the non-Indigenous community. We've got a, a fair whack of people who want to work with us. Uh, we, work at, we do do some work with the Conservation Council of Western Australia and in particular we've seen in recent months uh, uh, Ningaloo Reef and also the Burrup uh, Peninsula uh, near uh, uh, Karatha. Uh, for those of you who don't know, <coughs> pardon me, the, uh, the Burrup is uh, one of the world's largest 
uh, precincts of uh, Aboriginal uh, engravings and unfortunately there's a, a large gas facility right next to that. That's re-emerged and we've just recently released a, uh, a petition at the last uh, SOS Black Australia uh, third call to action regarding the protection of that precinct. It's a little bit complicated in that there is a numerous registered sites within a, a large area. So that's, uh, that's at the forefront. Um, just in regards to uh, the government, um, I personally don't have any faith in any uh, government. Uh, I think we've seen that. I've mentioned this a couple of times uh, when I've been able to speak in Perth. I heard some calls from uh, earlier today, uh, people sounding out about how we got to get around ways and do things. I personally think that Aboriginal people need to take a lead on how we address protection of culture, country, our, our, our livelihoods, our places, our things, and it's all part of uh, the wider community as well. Gee, we all live here. So I like the idea of sovereignty personally. And I think that uh, if the government wants to work with people on particular sites, we need to um, luck and work with the TOs from the, who are the bosses for that country, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we've seen... Uh, I'll tell you what, I might just take a couple of questions. I'm just sort of running out of things to say. Does anyone want to ask anything from what I've said at the moment? I just want to ask uh, if the Prime Minister's Aboriginal Advisory Panel has contact with traditional owners on any, any, any issue. Um, I'm aware that uh, the chairperson of the Indigenous Advisory Council uh, was involved in activities in northern Western Australia and I'm, I think it was prior to his current appointment but there's certainly uh, some dodgy business has, been, has happened and uh, you know, I'd go as far to say that the Department of Aboriginal Affairs in Western Australia is corrupted and is being led by the resource sector in Western Australia. Did anyone else want to say something quickly? I think there's one down the back there, maybe. I'm just running out of things to say. You've got to help me here, guys. Um, hi there, yeah. yeah um, my name's Paddy. I'm from Jumbunna down the road at UTS. Yeah, I just had two questions. The first one was, um, where's it actually up to with the process of, you know, the closure of communities, as we've heard the Barnett government trying to take the heat off, saying they're meeting, moving into, like, a consultation phase with communities to redesign service delivery? Sounds like some slippery language, but, yeah, I was just sort of wondering, what does it actually look like on the ground? How are people feeling about uh, the future of the remote communities and what are the prospects? 
Um, the other question I had was just about, you just mentioned very briefly there about like the actual land councils. You know, sometimes there's might be a process of maybe yeah, indicating n- not enough consultation around these cultural heritage matters or whatever. I mean, I don't want to have a go at the land councils, but this is a similar problem with a lot of Aboriginal struggles against like the resource sector and stuff, is the structural role that the land councils have come to play. What role do they play in the heritage uh, area in, in WA and, yeah, that'd be my question. Okay, I'll try and answer the in two parts. Firstly, uh, I don't think in the latest is, as I understand it, the state haven't actually uh, mentioned or stated which particular communities are going to close. I, I think they've been playing ducks and drakes for a while, certainly since SOS have, have been working and also AHA creating awareness I think they backed off a little bit, as I alluded to earlier. Um, I've spoken with a few community people in Western Australia that I know of who uh, who feel a bit uh, anxious, as you would. Um, It's been their homes and and traditional homelands of, uh, you know, 40,000 years plus. uh, And also, too, um, you know, some people are saying it's... uh, it's an act of genocide, and uh, I, I, I certainly uh, think it's got those sorts of connotations. Um, you know, you get rid of people off country, and you diminish heritage protection, so you get people off country. And WA being a big place, like other parts of remote Australia, people are going in mining sector and doing whatever they're doing. Uh, that second part of the question, you, you spoke about the land councils. In Western Australia, we've got six native title rep bodies and we put the same question to them about what they're doing in regards to heritage protection. We, they did come up with uh, four or five recommendations which we felt fell way short of what we wanted. We wanted the current amendments scrapped, we want a parliamentary select committee and we want full Aboriginal involvement in rewriting the Act. The five or so uh, amendments that the uh, Native Title Rep Body Alliance put up were very short and unfortunately I think they're bound by federal government funding so uh, we found them a bit limp. Did anyone else want to quickly ask me something? I think lady down the front here. Lady with the hair. I'm here for the parrots. Can I ask you, is there any other organisation like AHA across Australia? Or is it WA, it's the only place? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I just had a, I think Harold's going to allude to something when he comes up to speak next. I've seen sort of similar-like organisations you know, on Facebook or wherever it's been. Uh, I'm thinking that there probably needs to be some sort of national hub, and I'm thinking Harold will talk to that soon. Um, one thing I have thought about with what we're about is that if it happens where we are, it's going to happen somewhere else. And we've heard from Adrian and his people today, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking there's other Aboriginal people here uh, from the East Coast as well who see similar things happening in your countries. So having some maybe some uh, united front in regards to addressing heritage protection would be good. Brother down the back there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm Steve Torbert. I'm a traditional owner from Gummeroy. Um, we're having similar problems here. I mean, they're watering the um, Aboriginal Heritage Act right down right across Australia. I mean, it's, a, it's us, Koori followers, no matter where we are, we need to support one another because otherwise, if we don't, they're just going to keep railroading. The other thing, and I would have said when I got up there, is, you know, our elders weren't allowed to speak the lingo. They weren't allowed to teach it and pass it on and that. And now the same thing's happening again with our kids now. We can't turn around because the mining companies are buying all the land and they're up and they won't let us on there. The New South Wales government, you know, and the federal government, you know, we've sent stuff in under the old ASIC Act for protection. You know, they, they, there's 11 out of the... 10 out of the 11 sites destroyed in our country. But, I mean, I'll elaborate on it later, but the thing is... We need to stick together. For over 200 years, we had non-Aboriginal people telling us what to do with our culture and heritage. You know, we had our archaeologists that's supposed to be to see all and know all and you know anthropologists, but no one goes and speaks to our elders. It's about time us as Aboriginal people took control of our own culture and heritage and all stood united and turned around and marched on all parliaments right across every state in New South Wales at the same time. Here, here. Yeah, look, that was, uh, you know, when I'm at home by myself, I, I'm thinking about what I could do individually and, you know, it's probably not some good thoughts sometimes, but uh, certainly collectively I think that the states and territories can get together and we can learn from each other. There are certain synergies. You know, I said that word a couple of times today and last night. Um, we've, uh, you know, if, you've get, if, you, if you can get a good team of people in each state or territory, you know, maybe some anthropological, archaeological people who know legislation and stuff like that, you know, maybe a token spokesperson, you know, get these sorts of things happening, uh, it's, a, it's a good start, brother. You know, I think that's, that, that's where you should be starting. Um, yes, thanks, Clayton. Uh, Les Melzer from National Congress of Australia's First Peoples. You mentioned earlier on about a requirement now for religious uh, association with sites. Can you ex explain that a bit more? Thanks. Oh, yeah, I should have expanded on that a little bit. In the, uh, these proposed amendments or new amendments which were looking at deregistering the 30 original sites, it stated that there had to be evidence of religious practice. So we sort of looked at that and we said, well, what's that? You've got to like, go to church on Sunday and kneel at the altar and no disrespect to, to, to Christians or whatever. And I said, well, look, that doesn't happen out at that site where you know, we've we got that serpent dreaming water connection. And so it was just how this Western concept was overlaid on Aboriginal mytho mythology and cultural belief and... That was the, one, of the, one of the reasons of how it, the Port Hedland case got overturned, because it was nonsensical. Yes, it was a new interpretation of existing law which got found to be illegal or debunked in the court. So, yeah, so that was that. So, look... Um, I don't know, there's maybe another question over here. Um, Mary Geiser, I'm just doing a PhD student in, um, PhD, um, in, in uh, 
a PhD in um, fine art uh, down from Wollongong. Um, but historically, um, Aboriginal art has always been very powerful as a way of getting, getting what you want. And it always encodes spirituality. And wouldn't it be an idea to, for all the sites that you are concerned about to, um, to, create a, to create a series of works to present to government um, taking up the issue of the spirituality and, and you then have evidence that is, is on the historical record and it has to be dealt with. Yeah, look, we've taken on a lot of ideas. Unfortunately, uh, and I think I sort of alluded to the fact that people all over the state and for us working out of Perth, it's, it's a bit difficult trying to, you know, one day be in Derby and the next day out at Walloona and the next day in Esperance. So, um, yeah, we think that individual battles, we will assist where possible. Collectively, those are the sorts of actions that, you know, we think about. Um, as the practicality is, is probably our main issue. But look, I'd like to thank, um, thank you for my time today. I hope I've given you a bit of an insight into what we're about. We're happy to work with other states and territories. Uh, we do have a, a website and a uh, Facebook page. Come on and like us and join us. And uh, hopefully we can uh, work in unity with other Aboriginal groups uh, across the country. Thank you. Thank you, Clayton.